The following is message one of the Parents and Serving Ones Conference in Calgary, Canada, spoken on the evening of May 2nd by Brother Tom Getz. Series title, Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life. Message title, Keeping Ourselves in the One Flow of the Lord's Work for the Building Up of the Universal Body of Christ. Well, saints, it's really good to be back in Calgary. Uh, So happy, really happy to be with you all again. You know, tonight, uh, I'd like to uh, reminisce a little bit with you before we start reading through the outline. It was in 2006 that I was asked the first time to share something uh, for the parents. During one of the young people's conferences that we were having here, we had something going on downstairs while something was going on upstairs. Uh, My, that was eight years ago. And so we began on those weekends when we had the young people's conferences to have two things going on at once. We had something for the parents and serving ones. It was just one day for Saturday, and it was happening in the middle of the young people's conference. And we did that four times, four, 2006, 7, 8, and 9. And then in 2010, the brothers decided that we should dedicate the entire weekend to fellowship concerning the the parents and serving ones uh, for raising up the next generation. Well, soon after this, uh, that book was published, uh, a testimony, can I see your book? This, uh, some of the messages and the outlines that we'd been using in the full-time training in Anaheim were compiled and published in this book. I'm sure you've seen it. I hope you all own a copy. And uh, this became kind of our our uh, resource, our source for these kinds of fellowships. Um, And so, you know, maybe uh, now since uh, 2010, I believe it was, 10, 11, 12, 13, this is the fifth time uh, that we've now have been on this with six sessions per weekend. And uh, really, we are reaching a point where we're uh, done We've covered all the outlines. In fact, this this weekend we will conclude all the outlines and messages from that book. And uh, so I feel quite uh, happy to be here this weekend and to be able to fellowship these kind of concluding uh, points. I would like to say this, though. When the messages, when that book was published, the brothers put out a foreword that came to the book, and I feel that uh, possibly last year I did this, but I would like to refer to that before uh, I start. Um, You know, this book is 432 pages, 26 chapters. It's a sizable book. It's one of the largest books in our libraries, and we may get the mistake and a wrong impression that such a big book would be a central book, a key, vital book in, you know, in the Lord's recovery because of its size. But the brothers were a little bit concerned that we would not understand it in that way, that even such a large compilation of so many messages, still it is not something that is on the central line of the revelation in the Bible. The central line of the revelation in the Bible is on God's economy. And while so many of these messages touch God's economy, 
We may pick up this kind of a book as a manual or as a kind of method or way for serving our second generation. That book highlights the children's work, the young people's work. It has a little section for those who serve. And there is also a section that is related to the parents as a kind of fellowship for the parents. But uh, the main thing that I wanted to uh, relate to you tonight was uh, actually that they referred to this this topic, whether it's a work, whether it's a campus work, whether it's a young people's work, a children's work, or even God-ordained way. It might surprise you that these things represent what they referred to as the leaves and the branches of the tree. It's not the central part of the tree. And so um, this is... Uh, uh, this is the part. I'd like to just read a little bit, and I hope you can bear with me as I read this. Uh, they were talking about such a sizable uh, publication. That being the case, it is with some concern and caution that Living Stream Ministry, as publisher of, brother, of Ministry of Brother Nee and Brother Lee, offers this compilation to the churches and the saints. In making something of the leaves and the branches, the focus of so substantial a publication as this, we do not wish to distract any of the dear saints or churches from the central line of the Bible. We sincerely hope that no one among us will make the substance of this book his or her central line, or even the focus of his or her ministry among the saints. Maybe I'll stop here just for a minute. I would like to boldly declare that while I spend a lot of time in in the training and in various training centers and in conferences, am I not turned on? Uh, That uh, this is not the focus or the central line of my my ministry. Uh, They said, we sincerely hope that no one among us will make the substance of this book his or her central line or even the focus of his or her ministry among the saints. We hope that all the saints and all the churches everywhere will be just as Brother Nee and Brother Lee were, focused on and laboring for the central line among us, especially when they touch the leaves and the branches. So as we touch matters related to parents, serving ones, children's work, young people's work, or campus work, we will only touch it in the context of God's economy. And the central line of the vision in the Bible. This is our burden. Of course, some have been called to serve primarily among our children and young people. And we know that such a service is of the Lord and to the Lord. But we certainly feel that all of us should conduct our service so as to lead all in our care to apprehend and experience the central line in the Bible. We further hope, and now this is important... That no one among us will use the precious fellowship of our brothers in this book to insist on ways to conduct the children's and young people's work among us. Um, This fellowship is not to be insisted on, even though we firmly believe that it presents the best guidance for raising up the next generation for the church life. Maybe I'll read just this much. I just wanted to open up my heart a little bit. Saints, it's really uh, a... uh, uh, a real pleasure. Actually, it's been a real, a real blessing to be able to come here. 
I know that a lot of saints uh, from many places have been listening to the messages that were given in Calgary. They find them on the internet somewhere, living to him or, or somewhere, and they get them and they tell me. And so I realized that this uh, particular conference through the years has provided a certain uh, opportunity to open up so many of these things. And as we come to the, uh, maybe to the conclusion of this series, uh, we uh, tonight will be touching a very, very central and crucial fellowship uh, related, related to this. The title of the outline tonight is Keeping Ourselves in the One Flow of the Lord's Work for the Building Up of the Universal Body of Christ. Um, personally, since about 2009, as we were uh, progressing in our struggle, in our study, in our service, uh, the Lord began to lead us in a very particular way. And one of the things that became so clearly apparent to us is that we had to change the stance, the position, the atmosphere of all of our work with our second generation from being merely a defensive work of preservation to being an offensive work for propagation. That sentence, that statement represents a significant uh paradigm shift in our understanding related to our work with the second generation. And over the, these last five years, in many places, we have been watching as this uh, burden has been growing and flowing in the churches. And in many places, as the word has gone out, uh, a lot of the saints have entered into this kind of feeling and burden and have been able to uh, emphasize this and even implement this in their work with the children and young people. And today, unlike ever before, we are having our young people going to the college campuses as students and becoming very active, very active, and uh, even co-laboring together with the full-time team. We consider this to be a great, a great advance And we look to the Lord that in the coming years, we will see a similar kind of response or reaction or result from the work with the children. As the children are growing up and as we are entering into and practicing and and doing our best to put these matters uh, into practice, we hope that even our children will follow in the same kind of pathway of becoming very useful, even in their teenage years, uh, in the Lord's hand, and can be called by the Lord and become very useful to Him, even before they reach their college years. We uh, would we feel very very good about this, and we're so happy about this. Um, when we come to the message tonight, as we were singing and even pray reading and enjoying. Uh, I, I was so, uh, so happy. I was so happy that we could be on this message tonight on keeping ourselves in the one flow. <clears throat> but this is the one flow of the Lord's work. But before we get to the one flow of the Lord's work, I would just like to tell you this. I, 
I don't know how much you realize, but our God is a flowing triune God. He is. He's a flowing triune God. He's been flowing from eternity past, and He's flowing to eternity future. In both places, whether it's Genesis chapter 2, or if it's Revelation 22, what you see is God as a river. He's a flowing God. Our God is a flowing God. In the Old Testament, you see Him flowing in Genesis 2, and in the flow producing gold and Delium and onyx stone, precious stones, which are the real building materials of the New Jerusalem. At the end of the Bible, you see a river of water of life flowing out of the throne of God. Further in, in, in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 17, I believe it is, you have uh, the water out of a smitten rock. While Genesis 2 may be the flow of, out of God, out of, in Exodus 17, you have a rock. And the rock is Christ. The flow even flows through Christ. In the Psalms, you have a river which gladdens the city of God. You have this kind of flowing uh, picture all the way through the Old Testament. Finally, you get to Ezekiel chapter 47... And you have this marvelous illustration or, or prophecy of a, of a water that's flowing out from the threshold of the house of God. And it's flowing out. And it's flowing out on the right side of the house and on the right side of the altar. And they measure a thousand. And the water is up to the ankles and they measure another thousand. Measuring is always for possessing. He measures us and then he brings us through. Waters to the ankles, then waters to the knee, waters to the thigh, the, the loins. Eventually it becomes waters to swim in. Saints, as we've been carrying out this work related to the children and the young people, I would like to be, I, I'm just so happy to testify that I've just been in the flow. We've just been flowing. This whole matter has been just part of this wonderful flow. There hasn't been any sweat. There's no work. It's not hard. Very anointed. It's just flowing. Step by step, year after year, more light, more realization, more speaking, more flowing. Uh, I'm not proud to say this, but it really is a testimony. And it's so good that as we are here laboring together with the Lord, we're joining in his work, we don't have to sweat. We don't have to push that hard. It's a flow. And as the Lord measures us and he brings us through, it becomes waters to swim in. It becomes effortless. Really effortless. So this morning, or this not this morning, this weekend... Where I am, it's still morning. (laughs) I just arrived from South Africa a few days ago back home. And so I I really am a little bit not sure what time zone I'm in. (laughs) So anyway, this weekend, we're just going to flow. Okay, we'll just stay in the flow. And let's see. Let's see what the Lord would speak to us. Let's see what will come out. Um. Amen. Well, you know, then the, then the Lord, 
flowed into the Lord Jesus. This was in the song. He flowed himself into a man. Incarnation was a flow. It was a flowing. And then this flow walked on the earth for 33 and a half years and went to the cross. And on the cross, his side was pierced and outflowed blood and water. And then we read in John 4, whoever drinks of this water, it becomes a flow in him. And he who believes into him, in John 7, out of his innermost being, shall flow. We all got into this flow. It flowed into us. It's flowing out of us. We have now become uh, real parts of this marvelous eternal flow from eternity past to eternity future. (laughs) How about that? And then, of course, we come to Revelation 22, and we have the end. The last scene is still flowing. So let's, uh, let's fellowship tonight about keeping ourselves in the one flow, okay, of the Lord's work. Let me look, look at my notes. You know, God does everything uh, through his, his flowing life. You know, he flows into us, and then with some they become burdened to preach the gospel. That is the flow of God. How he preaches the gospel is by flowing. How he shepherds the saints is by flowing. How he builds up the church is by his flowing. Everything that he does is by his flowing. The book of Acts reveals that in the move of the Lord, there is only one divine stream of the Lord's work, and that we need to keep ourselves in this stream. There is only one divine stream of the Lord's work. This is a a kind of a a theme. There's only one stream. There's only one work. There's only one move. There's only one goal among Christians today. There's a lot of works. There's a lot of ministries. There's a lot of confusion. Tonight, I just would like to so happily to tell you that there's only one flow. And we just get in this flow. And this flow will bring us all the way to the New Jerusalem. The divine stream, and in the book of Acts, it's it's vividly clear how this one flow was flowing. And I'm telling you this because I really would like us to consider that our work with the children here in Calgary and the young people, the campus, has to be in this same one flow. Let's see how it relates. The divine stream, which has been flowing throughout the generations, is uniquely one. Since there is only one divine stream, and since the flow is uniquely one, we need to keep ourselves in this flow. Amen. You know, on the day of Pentecost, the flow began. Chapter 2 of Acts, the Spirit was poured out. And what happened is this flowing triune God became one with his members on the earth, became one with the apostles. And now he wasn't flowing directly, he was flowing through his members. And so then you see in Acts chapter 8, a turmoil was stirred up. Because through the persecution, the stoning of Stephen, and a great persecution came, 
so that the church in Jerusalem was scattered and then the flow was scattered because they were containing the flow. They were the embodiment of that same flow. The Lord had reproduced himself, had reproduced his flowing uh, being into those apostles so that when the church was scattered, the flow went with them. And the flow flowed there. It flowed to Samaria and to other parts of Judea because the saints were scattered, fleeing from the persecution. They brought that flow with them. Brothers and sisters, there's a tremendous uh, picture here that wherever we go, the flow is there. It's flowing with us. Whether we're in this place, this job, this classroom, this school, we have to realize that we are one with our ascended Lord. He's been flowing for eternity, and now he's flowing in, through, and out of us. We become the continuation of his flowing life. In Acts chapter 8, I said, yeah, he flowed to Samaria and Judea. And in Acts chapter 9, he flowed into Saul of Tarsus. He flowed into a vessel, a chosen vessel to the Lord. And through Saul, he was going to open up the entire Gentile world. In chapter 10, Peter's on the roof praying and a a sheet comes down. All kinds of animals, unclean. And Cornelius was praying. Now was the time. The turn of this flow from the Jewish to the Gentiles. Just follow the flow. And that's chapter 10. Chapter 13, you have three, five men, five prophets praying, ministering to the Lord. And then they went out to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Acts 16, what you have is the flow going to Asia. And then the Macedonian call to turn the flow to Europe. At that point, saints, listen, the flow began to flow west, and it flowed into Europe. It got stuck there for a long time, but eventually it got to America. From America, it went to the Far East, to Southeast Asia, to all the countries in the East. And after, I don't know how long, the flow made a U-turn, and it began to flow back. And now it's been flowing. First it flowed west. It flowed back to America. This is the flow of the Lord's recovery. It flowed after it came to America. It went to Africa and South America and to Europe. But I can tell you this. The flow is on its way back to Jerusalem. Through Rome. Back to Jerusalem. In March. March 9th. A group of saints met in Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem. To begin to have the Lord's table there to re-establish the Lord's testimony in the city of Jerusalem. How good the flow has gone back to the city of Jerusalem. There's a table there for the first time in 2,000 years, uh, a testimony. This is the flow of the Lord's move uh, and the flow of his work. So B, when we give the Lord the preeminence in our being, in our entire being making him our first love, he becomes the divine stream to us, flowing within us and out of us as the, as the first works. Oh, I'm sorry, let me read that again. When we give the Lord the preeminence in our entire being, making him our first love, he becomes the divine stream to us, flowing within us and out of us as the first works. The first works are the works that are motivated by and issue from and express the Lord as our first love. 
Only works that are motivated by the first love are gold, silver, and precious stones. You know, when when the Lord came to recover Peter, uh, and Peter's function and uh, service to him, after Peter's failure, the Lord asked Peter, do you love me? He didn't ask him, uh, did you mess up? Did you fail me? He just asked, do you love me? And after he got the answer, the Lord was recovering Peter's love. Do you love me more than these? His first love. And as he was recovering Peter's first love, he right away charged him to feed the lambs, to shepherd the sheep, and to feed the sheep. Right after he recovered Peter's love for him, He gave him some service, the work of the Lord. Out of our first love flows first works. This is the word to uh, to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. They were so good, so efficient, so proper. You know, you read Revelation 2 and you read about the church in Ephesus and they're so proper. They're able to discern the false apostles and uh, deal with them. Their works, their faithfulness, everything is top, top. You'd go to that church, you think, wow, what a great local church. What an awesome testimony. But the Lord said, you've lost your first love. And if you lose your first love, you're in danger of losing the lampstand, the testimony of the Lord. And that they needed to recover the first love and do the first works. This is the word. And so this this point right here. Uh, links together a number of things telling us for us to serve the Lord. Again, let me come back to the children, to the young people. In our family life, parents, this is a PSO, Parents in Serving Ones Conference. Some of our parents, some are not parents, some are not our parents-to-be. But no matter who you are, the way to be a parent, the way to be a serving one, is to love the Lord with our first love. Love Him. Just love him. Give him the preeminence in our being by loving him first. Lord, you know I love you first. I really do. I give you the preeminence in my being. You have the first place. Not only that, I'm seeking you first. All these firsts. That means among us, there's always a list. There's a priority. There's a something that's first. And how we need to, maybe even tonight, we should just ask the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Lord, you have to be first. You're first. Not my job, not my kids, not my wife, my husband, my married life. Lord, you are absolutely first. There's no way to carry out any kind of work that's in the flow without, without this. Actually, this is the flavor, the atmosphere of everything we do. Here it says, when we give the Lord the preeminence in our entire being, Lord Jesus, I'd like to give you the preeminence in our entire being. making him our first love. He becomes the divine stream to us. 
Every morning, brothers and sisters, we begin by, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Then the flow starts. Then the flow starts. Oh, then it begins to flow. And then we, we could do the first works. Many of us are very faithful. Like Ephesus, we might be faithful and diligent. We might be on time. We might be uh, responsible. But the love, where's the love? The love, the freshness, the sweetness, the sacrifice, the, the fragrance uh, has to be there. Brothers and sisters, to do any kind of work for the Lord, in the Lord, to the Lord, to build up a church, to gain our second generation. This is the preeminent point. This is the first point, number one point. We have to come back to love him, love him. Maybe like Peter, we need our first love to be recovered, to be restored. Perhaps we've had failures like him. Perhaps we've been gone fishing. First Peter, you know, denied the Lord. That was colossal. He gave up the kingdom. He threw away his, 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 uh, his calling. And then when he went fishing, he went back to his old profession. He didn't trust that the Lord would take care of him. He was a fisherman by trade, and he had walked off from the work of the Lord to, do, to take care of himself. And there he was. There the Lord was. He was on the seashore cooking breakfast. And the Lord came to him again the second time like he did the first. He said, children, do you have anything to eat? Did you catch any fish? And he knew they didn't because he made all the fish go away. <laughs> and then he said, put, your, put the net on the other side. They pulled it up. All those fish. And John turns to Peter and he says, it's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water, he swims to shore, and there's the Lord cooking breakfast. Never went fishing, he has fish. Never went shopping, he had bread. Where did it come from? That's the way it is when you serve the Lord. When you love him and you serve him, whether it's a little children's meeting here, or a little this, a little that, there's always a supply. There's always something cooking. There's always bread. There's always fish. So the Lord comes to recover our love. That's what was missing. It wasn't Peter, are you qualified? Or Peter, are you faithful? Or Peter, are you going to hang in there? Or Peter, are you going to give up? No, it was just Peter, do you love me? And this is the word. This is the starting point. This is where the flow comes from, saints. Once he's flown in, flowed into us, he needs to flow through and out of us. And our love for him gives him the, the, uh, the avenue, the channel, the way to flow through. Out of this first love comes the first works. That's where children's meeting comes from. That's where young people's work comes from. This is where campus work comes from. It's not a method. It's not this. It's not that. It's not a, uh, some kind of program. It's crazy lovers of Jesus. Crazy lovers of Jesus. Amen. Huh? Amen. Maybe I, I should be a crazy, a little more crazy up here. But anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, I'm crazy inside. The flowing of the divine life, which started on the day of Pentecost... 
and has been flowing throughout all the generations to this day is just one stream for God's goal to build up the church for his corporate expression. You know, uh, <clears throat> we read this verse, John four fourteen. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. It's quite interesting. The Lord Jesus is talking to a sinful woman, the thirsty woman. And uh, he has an appointment, so he detours. He's the detouring savior. He, he takes a detour, goes out of his way, and he comes to Jacob's well and sits on it. And there he is sitting on it, and it says, And Jesus, being weary from his journey... Imagine this. God was, were, uh, was weary. I know what it's like to be weary from a journey. But I can't imagine the Lord Jesus being weary. But he was weary from his journey. And he sat on the well and he cherished this sinful woman by asking her for a drink. He knew how to flow out and to flow in. He knew how to contact her. How to open her up and how to touch her heart. And he did it by asking for help. And then she was shocked. Are you, are you a Jew and you're asking me, a Samaritan, for water? You guys don't even talk to people like me. I mean, but here you're, you're talking to me and you're asking for help. That's amazing. And then the Lord said, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who's asking for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink. <laughs> and then he goes on with verse 14 that says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give, my wife says, is your water better than Jacob's well? I mean, we've had this for centuries. It's still giving us water. He said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall by no means thirst forever. But the water that I will give him will become a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. Brother Lee pointed out that this word into eternal life, into, implies destination. It implies that it has a goal that it's flowing to a certain place, to a certain destination. He was, and that implies the new Jerusalem. He was telling her, you drink this water, it will come into you, and it will flow you to the new Jerusalem. This is new Jerusalem water. It's Saints, isn't this the kind of water that our kids need? Isn't this the kind of flow that our kids need to be brought into in our... And this flow began on the day of Pentecost is just one stream for God's goal to build up the church as his corporate expression. What is the goal? Many times we've asked ourselves this because we do things. We do things year after year, week after week. We pray, we coordinate, we fellowship. And our goal may be just to have a good meeting. Our goal may be to have everybody come. Our goal may be to give a good lesson. Maybe our goal is for us to give a good prophecy. It doesn't matter to us that much whether the prophesying meeting is any good, but that I gave a good prophecy may be the goal. Sorry to say. Even my coming here, what is my goal? Is my goal here to give moving messages to uh, cause the saints to weep or to... uh, what What is the goal, brothers and sisters? Our goal... And let me state it, it's to build up the body of Christ. It really is. This is not a slogan. We are building here with gold, silver, and precious stones. The issue of this 
is the body of Christ, built up in all the local churches as we, you and me, saints, come to the Lord every morning and contact Him, open ourselves up to Him, get into this flowing triune God, He will build His body. This is going to happen. It'll happen while we're not even aware of it happening, but it's happening. This is the work. The work of the Lord. You want to know the work of the Lord. You want to do a children's work. You want to do a young people's work or a campus work. You have to understand triune God language. What is the triune God's way to work? This is the way to work. This is how he works. Point D. We must be faithful to the flowing of this stream of the divine life of the fellowship of the body, of the testimony of the Lord Jesus, and of the work of God. This is uh, taken from the book, The Divine Stream. First of all, it's the flowing of the divine life. Then it's the flowing of the, of the Lord's testimony. No, no, of the fellowship of the body. Then it's the testimony of the Lord. And then it issues in the work of the Lord. Point two, Roman two, in the recovery There is a definite work which is for the building up of the local churches unto the building up of the universal body of Christ. I want you to pay close attention to this word, a definite work. In the recovery, there is a definite work. It's for the building up of the local churches unto the building up of the universal body of Christ. You know, it's so good when... The Apostle Paul went to Iconium and Lystra. He met a young man. The young man's name was Timothy. And he said, I want this one to go forth with me. I want him to go with us. Paul was traveling together with Silas and also with Luke. And so at least there were four once Timothy joined them. His previous experience of bringing Mark, John Mark with him was not good. John Mark turned back. He He couldn't take it. And so he withdrew and went back. And then the next time they were going out, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark again. And and Paul said no. And they had a a problem and they separated from one another. And then Paul took Silas and went out being recommended by the brothers. But as they were traveling, they came to this place and there was a young brother. And he says, you know, I want this one to come with me. And so Timothy joined them in the work. And began to travel with the brothers, became one of the brothers, became one of the we. When Paul, when Luke was writing, they're the we chapters uh, of the book of Acts. And what happened is, Luke, I mean not Luke, uh, Timothy and Paul got blended in the work. Eventually, Paul could say of Timothy, my genuine child of the faith. He had just reproduced himself in this young brother. And he told the Corinthians, when Timothy comes, I'm about to send Timothy. When he comes, make sure that he's with you without fear. For he is working the work of the Lord, even as I am. This means that Paul was and Timothy were co-workers, co-laborers, doing the same work, doing the same thing doing the same work. And Paul had the assurance. He told the Philippians, I have no one like sold 
I have nobody to send to you except Timothy. I have no one like sold who will genuinely care for what concerns you. For all seek their own things, not the things of Christ Jesus. You see, in the work of the Lord, many of us are quite mixed. We're mixed. We have our own concerns. We have our own things that we're thinking about and pursuing. How good to be like-souled. You know, I just want to be like-souled. I don't want to be distinct, separate, unique, or different in any way. I, I just want to speak the same thing as the brothers. I want to be the same as the brothers. I just want to have the... I want the brothers to be able to say the same thing. Oh, I'm going to send him. I'm going to send you. He's like sold. He has, this, he has the same burden. He has the same goal. He's not concerned about himself. He's not doing it for his own glory. He's not seeking his own fame. He's not making a name. He has a genuine concern for them, for you. That's why I can send him to you, because I know he's burdened for you, and he loves you, and he, he, he'll, do, he'll take care of you. And so, saints, what a, what a pattern for those of us as we touch the children, as we touch the young people. We all could enter into this, this same kind of work. This is work. This is the work of the Lord, doing the one work, the same work. There's a work today in the Lord's recovery. It's a definite work in the Lord's recovery. You can tell it's coming out in all the messages. We have it every week in our morning revival. The burden there, the spirit there, the essence there is the building up of the body. And the brothers are desperate. The word is coming out in a most urgent way. And as we are entering into it, we're being mingled with it and it's becoming one with us. And this then becomes... The work of the Lord. The work of the Lord. You'll see in the next point what the real work of the Lord is. Uh, I would just like to testify. That's, that's it. To me, that's it. I could go here. Or I could go there. I could, I could be, be here in Calgary or back home. And I'm one with the brothers. I'm the same as the brothers. I have no difference. I have no different burden. I have the same vision. I have the same burden. How about the same here? We just do the same thing here. We open up to this. We contact the Lord concerning this. Lord, your body. Lord, your body on the earth. Our work for the Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. All the co-workers should do the same one work universally for the unique body. How about that? All the co-workers. See, this has not always been the case. Sadly, sorry to tell you this. Through the years, through the years, there have been brothers who have been doing a different work within the one work of the Lord's recovery. They were doing something else. And this caused confusion. They had a different message. They had a different burden. They created movements. And uh, this brought in a kind of different flow. And this was very disturbing to the churches. How we thank the Lord that today there is such a situation on the whole earth that is very peaceful with a clear sky and a, and a one kind of work. But I, I would just say the same thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just here opening up my heart. See, this, this, uh, 
These particular chapters or messages in this book are really are at the very beginning of the book, and they're setting the stage. They are preparing the way. So I wanted to use this tonight as the introduction for this weekend uh, and realize that this is the context that we have to consider all of our, of our work. All the co-workers should do the same one work universally. Our work is the work of the Lord's recovery for the building up of the body of Christ. You know, I also, I mentioned already a little bit about the work of the Lord's recovery, um, how it went, east, went west from Europe, England, you know, the missionaries and the gospel and the inner life men, all them came, all these came from, from England, came west, came to America. The gospel then spread to Africa, to Southeast Asia, to China, through Hudson Taylor and these. And then through them, the Lord was able to raise up some very key co-workers. Brother Watchman Nee, Brother Lee. Watchman Nee had many co-workers, but many of them were distracted to do other things, other burdens, other ministries. Among Christians, there's a lot of this. A lot of kind of lawlessness in the work. How good that today the Lord has a group of blended co-workers who are desperate to only do one work. To do the one work of the Lord's recovery. It's a definite work. And all over the earth, all speaking the same thing. What a blessing. You know, this is like growing up in a family where mom and dad love each other and there's peace in the house and there's an atmosphere of love. There's real care. There's real real uh, love. And how we thank the Lord. This was not the plan. The plan was to gospelize China. But God arranged for a world war to break out. Japan invaded China, disrupted the plan. And Brother Lee never went back to northern China. Instead, after the war was over, he went to Shanghai. And he was there until the communists took over, and then he was sent to Taiwan. That was not his plan. His plan was to go back north. His plan was to gospelize China. But the flow carried him. It was waters to swim in, carried him to Taiwan. He was there for a little over 10 years, and then the flow flowed him to Los Angeles. When the flow came to Los Angeles, it got out of the Chinese language and it flowed into the English language, which became a global flow. When I came into the church life in 1970, we began to meet saints from Africa, saints from Australia and New Zealand, saints that were coming in and the Lord's move was going to Europe. This summer in the Poland conference, we're preparing a a special fellowship on Wednesday night to touch the Lord's final flow, his flow back to Jerusalem, through Europe. Brothers and sisters, this training extension in Boston is a strategic part of the Lord's flow at the end of this age. It's a stepping stone. It's a launch pad to Europe. We have to pray every major city in Europe would have a testimony. This is where the flow is going. The flow is going there. And you're going to see this. You're going to see it happen. It'll happen in the coming years. This is the Lord's flow. Eventually, the flow on the earth will, mat, will reach, will join the flow in the heavens. The Lord will come back. 
But how good to consider that we could be in this same one flow. How good. Brothers and sisters, how blessed. How blessed to be in this flow. Okay, let me keep reading. I read B. I think our work is the work of the Lord's recovery for the building up of the body of Christ. Can't say this enough. Can't say this enough. Sorry, in the previous point, I forgot to mention this. This verse, uh, actually these two verses, I mentioned one of them, 1610, is, Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without fear, for he is working the work of the Lord even as I am. This is the word about the co-workers all doing the same one work. But then there's another verse that says, Be steadfast. This is 1558. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, sometimes we got disappointed. Sometimes we became discouraged. Maybe we didn't get the results. Perhaps we didn't get so many fish. Or maybe things are not going so smoothly. And like, and so Paul will give us this word, you know, about be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's very good. Here at point one under B, the body is the governing law of the life and work of the children of God today. The work of the triune God in us is to produce the body of Christ, the reality of which is the spirit, the pneumatic Christ. Look at this. The body is the governing law. You know, there's a consideration that we have in the churches today that we've never had before. And that is this. As we would consider doing something in our locality, we consider how this will affect the other churches. I don't know if you've had this kind of thought Suppose in my locality, or in your locality, or in your place, you had the burden to have a rock band for the gospel, or maybe for your young people's work, so that you could appeal to the young people. Uh, Today, you think, well, maybe our consideration is right or wrong. This is not right. This is worldly. This is wrong. This will produce Ishmael. Of course, all of that is correct. But today, there's a feeling there's, there's a sense within us all that we never had before, is that how will this affect Lethbridge? How will this affect Red Deer? What about the saints in Edmonton? What about Vancouver? When they hear about this, will they become concerned? Will this raise a question, a doubt within us? You see, the law of the body, the view of the body, the governing principle of all of our work is the body. So we always have the body in view, the oneness, the fellowship, the sweet flow of the members. Today, there's more blending than ever before. I hear next week you have a group of students coming here from Vancouver, right, for a, for a blending. How wonderful. And this, this has caused us to become so body conscious. And one accord is also one of the governing rules, the governing laws is that we are one. We are one at any cost. We, will, we won't argue. We won't fight. We would rather die. We would rather go to the cross than to insist on our way. This is, the, this is the body. And this is how we remain in the flow. This is how we remain 
in this life-giving, life-imparting, flowing triune God. So then point two says, the work of the triune God is to, in us, in us, is to produce the body of Christ, the reality of which is the spirit, the pneumatic Christ. Then we have the work in the Lord's recovery, the work of his economy, the work is the work of the body of, is the work of his economy, the work of the body of Christ. According to Song of Songs 711, Christ's lover wants to carry out with her beloved the work that is for the entire world, the fields, by sojourning from one place to another, lodging in the villages. This is to keep the one work in the one body. You know, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, he says, let us go, you know, let's go into the vineyards. Let's see, I think I wrote it down here. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the fields. Let us lodge in the villages. To go forth into the world, uh, into the fields is the entire world. You saints, the whole world is open to us. It's absolutely amazing to me that I could be in Cape Town, South Africa, and in the same week I could be in Calgary, Alberta. The whole world is open to us. And we're fellowshipping in one body, the same the same one thing. Then verse 12, let us rise up early for the vineyards. Let us see if the vine has budded, if the blossom is open, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. Here as we, as we go from place to place, we're just loving the Lord. We're just loving him, pursuing him, gaining him, and flowing him out. At the end of Song of Songs, after she has passed through all the stages, you know, the horse, the palanquin, you know, the pillars, the, all the stages, she shares in the work of the Lord. To share in the work of the Lord is one of the top ad- achievements of this Shulamite, that she could work with him. She could be his co-worker. May we all aspire, brothers and sisters, that we could become the co-workers of the Lord. Okay. Brother Lee said that Solomon, you know, has many, many vineyards. All over the world, there's vineyards. Vineyards in, in Russia. Vineyards in Crimea. There's churches in Ukraine. He has vineyards everywhere, and there's a lot of labor. There's a lot of labor that needs to be done in, here in Canada, in America, everywhere. And the workers... Join in the work of the Lord, to work together with him. So we come to Romans 3, which is very critical. This is very, very critical. We have to see what God's work is. And we have to know what is God's central work in man. After there was a revival in the church in Chifu in the early 1940s, I think it was around 43, Brother Lee, was, Brother Lee was arrested and put in prison, and he was imprisoned there for a month, interrogated nearly every day in a terrible, torturous way, and uh, again and again trying to find out names and persons and uh, submersives, people that might be opposing the Japanese o- occupation. He gave them no information because he didn't have any information. 
I have some. Thank you. Um, but after his interrogation, he contracted uh, tuberculosis. He was released after 30 days, and then he got very sick. And he was in bed for almost two years. And in those days, when you got tuberculosis, you were... It was terminal. Normally, it was terminal. Brother, Brother Lee was very sick. And he had these old sisters. These older sisters would come in. He eventually left Chifu to go to another place to get away so he could rest. And these elderly sisters would come and pray for him. Once a week, I think, they would come into his room, and he, he was in bed. He was just laying there. And they would pray strong, prevailing prayers for him to get well. But he never got well. He still was very sick. And they were praying for real divine healing. You know, heal our brother. So after they prayed for him for a while, then they would rebuke him for a while. First they prayed for him, and then they would rebuke him because he didn't have enough faith. If he just had enough faith, he could get well. A lot of us have this kind of funny concept that uh, depends on us. And after they would leave, Brother Lee testified that he was there laying in bed and he was looking up at the ceiling and he was asking himself, faith, faith, you're right, I have no faith. What is faith? I have nothing left. It's over, I'm, I'm dying. And as he was laying there, the Lord began to show him where faith comes from. Faith doesn't come from yourself. Faith comes from the infusion of God, the speaking of God. Brothers and sisters, we have to open up ourselves and allow him to infuse himself into us. This is where faith comes from. It comes from our contacting and our opening to him. It was during that period of time as he was recovering that he touched and he saw the central work of God is not a great work in Shifu with a big revival. It's when God could gain a human being. And what he has to bring those human beings through, those persons, he has to bring them through a host of experiences, of failures, disappointments, mistakes, sometimes success, sometimes high, sometimes low, but God's flow never stops. His eyes are on one thing, He wants to mingle himself with humanity. This is the flow. The flow is to come into us and mingle with us and build us into the new Jerusalem. And this requires, it's very confusing. For any of us who are traditional Christians, we expect that if we do God's will, if we follow him faithfully, he will bless us. Everything will work out. Our businesses will prosper Our kids will never get sick. We will never lose our job. Everything will be fine. But when Brother Lee touched the central work of God, he realized that God has laser beam focused on one thing, and that is gaining humanity, gaining a man, building himself into those people, mingling himself with their inward parts, with every part of their being, This is what Brother Lee began to understand as he was laying in that bed. And what a change. What a difference. You're laying there. You can't work. You can't minister. You think, oh, how terrible. 
This was during the period when Watchman Nee was out of his ministry. And now Brother Lee is out of his ministry. You think, Lord, what about your move? What about your spread? What about the success? What about the gospelization of China? God said, I just, I just need to gain this man. It might take me two years, three years, five years. It might take me a number of experiences, a number of disappointments. It may require that. But if I can get him, I can get the whole world. If I can get him, I can get Calgary. If I can get him, I can get that campus. If I don't get him, there's no way. I don't care how many people we throw at that campus. We won't get it. But if I can gain a person, the whole world can be opened up. They become a channel of supply. They become ministry of life. You touch them and they flow life. And what happened is they've been processed. They've been through a process. Let's read these points. So we have to see what God's work is and we have to know what is God's central work in man. The main work of God, you should circle that word main. Main work of God today is to work himself into man. Only when God is worked into man can God's eternal purpose be fulfilled. Paul wrote of this, Galatians 4.19, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So what advice do you have for someone who's suffering? What advice do we have or what encouragement, what fellowship should we give to someone under our care that is suffering from disappointment or, or failure. Maybe we have some exhortations. Maybe we have some Bible verses. But brothers and sisters, if we're clear, we would be very careful of what kind of shepherding, uh, what kind of advice, what kind of exhortation would we pass on If we become clear, we see, we know what God's central work is. We may just sit back and observe and we would watch how the Lord is gaining that person. And we would have the words. We would understand what what needs to be said and how we could share it. Point B, God's main goal. Here you got main work and God's main goal is not the works, but to gain persons through the works. If God does not gain a person, he will have no work, and he will have no way. I don't know how how to uh, impress ourselves with this kind of a point. If God is not able to gain us, you and me, there's, there's no point talking about methods, ways, techniques, strategies. This is what is is needed, uh, is for him to gain us. We have to remember all the time that the need today is for God to work himself into us rather than for us to work for God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his masterpiece. We, not the campus work, not this young people's work. We, it's a group of people that become his workmanship, his real masterpiece. It is not that we work for the Lord, 
but that he works on us. Therefore, we should not be merely the Lord's workers, but the Lord's work. We are his work. <laughs> we're the object. Did you realize we're his work? He's, he's working on us. The kind of person we are determines the kind of fruit we produce. If our person is wrong, we may build up something by what we do, but tear down more by what we are. You know, that, those verses in Matthew seven seventeen and 18 is where he says, not everyone who comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, you know, it will, will enter into the kingdom of God. And he said, they'll come in that day and they say, we did this, we did that, we did many works of power. In your name, he says, I I didn't know you. It's not just doing things for the Lord that matters. You know, I know there's a burden here among the saints that are serving and overseeing the children's work. You know, this has been brewing for a couple of years now to have a new beginning. I hope I'm not saying something that's not known already. But how good we could have this kind of fellowship. Realize there needs to be some laboring priests who will spend time to pray and to be with the Lord and to open to the Lord to step into the River Jordan first so that others could pass through. Roman Roman 4, according to the entire revelation of the New Testament, the unique goal of the Christian work should be the New Jerusalem, which is the ultimate goal of God's eternal economy. Brother Lee pointed out, <clears throat> this was very close to the end of his life. This was in April 1997 he spoke this. He spoke it and he gave it to the co-workers because the co-workers were having an a, uh, elders training at this time. And uh, he was sick and unable to join us, but he was uh, awake and alert enough to say something and ask the brothers to pass on to the elders and co-workers who were there, this word, this message. And this is what he said, that <clears throat> nearly all the divisions that came out of Christianity is because there were Christian workers who took something other than the New Jerusalem as their goal. Uh, I'm checked by that. Everything, our prophesying meeting, takes the New Jerusalem as its goal. Our table meeting, our, our church life, everything has a destination, has a goal. We're aiming uh, the same goal that God has. The main cause, this is what he said, the main cause of degradation was because nearly all the Christian workers take many other things as their goal. Brothers and sisters, nothing should replace the New Jerusalem as our goal. A, the co-workers must see that we should do only one work, which is to make God's chosen people regenerated ones, sanctified ones, renewed ones, the new man, transformed ones, conformed ones, those conformed to the image of the firstborn Son of God, and glorified ones. All those who will be in the New Jerusalem are this kind of people. Okay, our children's work is to produce regenerated ones. We have this kind of view. It's very clear. Brothers and sisters, it has never been more clear that we begin our children's work in a particular way. We begin them on a trajectory. And it's on a collision course with the convicting spirit. 
we begin at five, six, and seven years old to inspire them concerning God, concerning his creation, and concerning what proper human living should be. We help them to aspire to be the best, the highest, the smartest, the most well-behaved, the most respectful, the most honest, the most sympathetic and compassionate. This is what we put into them. We put these things into them, inspiring them. By 7, 8, and 9, they're already experiencing some failures. They can't live up to their ideals. They can't make it. And we tell them, that's okay, but you still have to do it. We still push them. We encourage them. The first stage is a stage of inspiration. The second stage is a stage of encouragement. Even though you failed, even though you can't forgive, you should do it. You still should do it. You have to. You have to. You have to be patient. You have to obey your parents. You have to be honest. And we continue into the third stage. The third stage is the stage of conviction. And it's during this stage when their failures begin to operate on them and cause them to realize that they are sinful, that they can't make it. Oh, what a happy day. What a happy day when the child is there just utterly broken because they can't do it. They can't make it. Brothers and sisters, this is the trajectory. This is the direction of our children's work. It leads them on this path. And this path is the path to bring them to judicial redemption. Now they know they need a Savior. Now they know the reason why the Lord died on the cross. Now they can find out and understand the fall of man and the effect of the fall. And we help them to become regenerated ones. After they became regenerated ones, the work continues. We go up step by step. We help them to be sanctified, to be baptized, to cut off their old manner of life, and to live a sanctified life, a life that is for the Lord, a life that is separated from the world. And then we also are helping them to be renewed ones. This is the renewing of the mind by giving them the proper way to think, the proper way to understand. We're giving them the mind of Christ in lesson after lesson, bringing them into the divine realm and the divine thought concerning many things, his economy in particular, not behavior, not religion, not forms, not tradition, not culture. Those will not renew their mind. Those will damage their mind and will hinder them and hold them back. But as we are on this way, We are doing one work. So now in the children's meeting, we're doing the one work of the Lord's recovery. Young people's work, we're doing the one work of the Lord's recovery. We're jumping in wherever they are. If they're regenerated ones, then we're working on them to become sanctified ones and renewed ones. And we're helping them to eat the Lord and behold the Lord to become transformed ones, conformed ones, and even glorified ones. Eventually they go up step by step and level by level until they reach the highest point. Everyone's the same. No more flesh. No more natural life. Everyone's a being of the new Jerusalem. If we see this, brothers and sisters, this will change everything. This changes everything. It it affects us. We're doing the one work of the new Jerusalem. There was a time, saints, there was a time. I'd been laboring in this field of the young people's work. Now, today, over 20 years, maybe... 
they said, well, he's the young people guy, you know. He's the young people brother. He's one of two that specialize in young people's work. I, I, I would like to tell you this. No, I'm doing one, one work, the work of the New Jerusalem. And whether it's children's meeting, we're doing the work of the New Jerusalem. Saints, we're doing the work of the New Jerusalem. Young people's work, campus work, it's just one work. It's the same thing. We're all on the same path. <clears throat> so it says here, the co-workers must see that we should do only one work, which is to make God's chosen people regenerated ones, sanctified ones, renewed ones, the new man, transformed ones, conformed ones, those conformed to the image of the firstborn Son of God, and glorified ones. All those who will be in the New Jerusalem are this kind of people. By the, in this way we go up level by level until we reach the highest point where we become the same. There's no more flesh, no more natural being. All are in the Spirit. All are the kingdom of the heavens and all are beings of the New Jerusalem. This is the highest point. Saints, this is where the flow is taking us. This is the flow. How good, brothers and sisters, we come together and we just enter into the flow. We just enter into the flow. We don't have to sweat. We don't have to try. We don't have to push. We don't have to struggle. We just touch the flow. There's something here. There's something here that we have to see in the context of our service in raising up the next generation. Okay, I'll stop here. Amen.